Hey everybody, welcome back to Biblical Ramblings. Uh, hey guys. Here with myself and Jehu. And then my son Blake is here again joining us. What's up? Um, I think we're on episode 11. Today's topic, Ecclesiastics. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a minute since we recorded. Um, we had some vacations. We got sick. There's been a lot going on lately. So it's been the first time we've been able to record in a while. Uh, and yeah, we recently, I had recently read the book and I think Jehu was on it of Ecclesiastes and we wanted to discuss that because what we thought about when reading it and how it made us feel is drastically different than how I've always heard it talked about. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I figured for the start of this, uh, my son, it'll be interesting to get his point of view cause he's non-religious. So I figured for the start of this, we could just go over what we thought about the chapter in general, how it made us feel individually, and then discuss what we've heard from the community as a whole before. Um, did you want to go first, Blake? Uh, no, I'll go. Yes, <laughs> go right. first. Oh, I can start. Um, so for me, Ecclesiastes, when I was reading it, it actually it's my favorite book of the Bible so far. Um, it definitely. It hit on a lot of stuff I've thought about throughout my life. It even had several phrases I've used before. Um, I highlighted them and I'll bring them up later. Um, But for for me personally, it was a very uplifting chapter because he essentially, I counted it seven times out of the 12 chapters. He mentions uh, along the lines of eat, drink, and be happy. That's the point of like, that's what we're meant to do here. That's God's gift to us those are gifts directly from god and that is the one thing we should take away from life so that to me was really uplifting that no matter how meaningless life gives no how no matter how like um pattern i I can't think of the word right now um rhythmic whatever you want to call it repetitive there we go repetitive no matter how repetitive gets no matter how tough it gets if you can, at the end of the day, eat, drink, and be happy, you're good. Like, focus on that. So that's what I got from the, the book. I got the eat, the eat and drink part down. <laughs> uh, Working on the third. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, Ecclesiastes is a wisdom literature part of the Bible. Um, and it starts off with an author talking about the teachings of another teacher whose name is, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, or maybe I should, Colette. I think I spelled it right. Or pronounced I have it no right. idea. But um, it's the teachings of this man. And one of the things that I that I noticed about the book as compared to to Proverbs, which was the, the previous, the, the other wisdom uh, literature, is that he's kind of like a critic. Like, yeah. Proverbs is so inspiring and so, like, positive and i think i think we kind of mesh well with ecclesiastes because he's very much a critic like almost like oh you think you know life is all about happy and doing this and and in a sense he's saying it's meaningless yeah you, you shouldn't be trying to get with because proverbs is all about gaining wisdom and and being smart and getting the knowledge and all that stuff and the other guy is saying or the critic in this instance is saying that's meaningless why do any of that if it's a fleeting thing? 
one of the things that I wanted to point out um, is that the word meaningless is used a lot, but the Hebrew word, word for that is, is hevel, H-E-V-E-L, and it means vapor or breath. Oh, interesting. So he's not saying that life has no meaning in a sense of why even try if, it, if there's no point to it. He's saying almost like don't you can't grab onto it because it's like vapor. It just you can see that it's there. It could yeah. look solid, but when you grab onto it, it just disappears. And another thing that that I that I thought was interesting is that when you're in vapor or when you're in that cloud or whatever you want to call it, it's hard to see. Mm-hmm. So. There's a word in Spanish called afan, and it's hard to describe it in English, but I always think of my dad when that comes to mind, because he would always tell me, don't afanar this thing, and it's almost like desire, but in a sense of desperation. So it's almost yeah. like you're desiring something where that's the only thing you can think of, and and you can't think of it. Everything else is like second to none, you know? Yeah. And so you're so desired for that thing that you'll lose everything else in comparison to that. And I think that's that's something that when I was reading Ecclesiastes was it kept it kept reminding me of like don't try to depend on this one thing that you're this goal in life or this thing. Chill out, basically. Yeah. And I think that's that's what I got out of it the most, I, I would say. The most is it's good to have desires and stuff. Um, it's okay if you if you have like desires and goals and stuff, but don't don't try to like I don't know how to say like try too hard in a sense to where that's obsessed. yeah it, obsessed there you go yeah that's the right word. So I thought that interpretation <laughs> of it was um, was pretty cool the 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 whole vapor thing because if that's what it means then it, it's not so much saying a lot of a lot of people when well, we talked about this before a lot of people think this book is very depressing yeah very. Oh, what's the point of life and blah, blah, blah. And I think we had talked a little bit outside of this on Sunday. But one of the things that this book gives me is an idea of a sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people are nothing without their goals, are nothing without the one thing that they're pursuing. But for me, this book says, go for it, but just don't, I guess, be depressed or be too hard on yourself if you don't reach it. Because at the end of the day, nothing is... Yeah that important you're gonna wind up in the same place yes and that's another thing that the author talks about is how death is the the ultimate equalizer yeah to where you know the people that are trying so hard and doing all these things he talks about how i've seen people do the right thing and everything goes wrong for them i've seen people do the wrong thing and everything goes right for them but at the end of the at the end of their life they're all going to be in the same place so why why worry too much yeah um i i mean i I wouldn't necessarily say I love the book, but it's it's a it's a very good uh, eye opening book for me in terms of hey you don't always have to be extremely positive you know yeah uh, to be Christian I guess <laughs> <coughs> so before Blake go. goes apologies apologies um, I'm getting over a sinus infection so I might be coughing here and there um, I don't know if we'll be able to edit that out or not but I'll do my best to keep it down. Um, so how did you feel about the book, Blake? Uh, I thought the book was, it was something. <laughs> I, I didn't really feel a sense of hope and freedom from it, but I didn't necessarily feel a sense of depression and nothing can happen in life from it. Okay. It was, the book to me felt like 
everything in life is meaningless, enjoy it, and God exists. That's that's more what, like whenever they would mention God, I'm like, this feels less like it's about God gave you everything and more of enjoy life and God gave you everything. Like, yeah. It just kind of felt like God was just added in there, not really a main focus point of it, which I don't really mind. I think I did. I did like the whole uh, the whole thing of where it says like chasing the is like chasing the wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was my favorite line, even though they used it a lot. Yeah, they said that like ten times in yeah. the eight parts that I read. And uh, but I just, I I thought the book made sense. It was at least for most of it. I was like, damn, it's kind of depressing. Yeah, because <laughs> it's a lot of because. When I got where I ended was when it was starting to be more hopeful. The the like first like six pages are all just like life is meaningless. I tried to be smart and wise. Life sucked. I tried to enjoy it. Life sucked. Mm-hmm. Being a fool <laughs> sucks. Being a like being smart sucks. Life sucks. Yeah. And yeah. then he later on started going on about like life sucks being a fool the fool and the wise man both die in the end it doesn't yeah. matter what how you live your life at the end of it we all end up the same yeah so just enjoy it i'm like yeah that that makes sense but also like life's uh, gotta suck yeah life sucks <laughs> so it's hard to enjoy it and yeah. i was like i was like man that's kind of depressing if you can't enjoy life doesn't matter what you do yeah because you end the whole more of the story is you end up in the same place whether you're a fool or a wise man so enjoy life Mm -hmm. so if you can't enjoy life you just end up in the same place as the fool and the wise man without any of the upsides yeah it's a interesting book i can see how it's depressing to some people and i can see how it's like in motivating to enjoy life to some people I saw it as really both of the. I saw it as like both sides. I think for us, or I think for me at least, the the hope, and that's something we're gonna talk about in the next podcast. I believe we're doing it as a group. Yeah. Is the whole concept of hope and what that means. So I won't really get into it, but I think the hope that we have is at the end of life, which is the whole Christian, not agenda, but like the whole reason for Christianity for us is that there's hope after death. So, if there is hope after death for us, it doesn't matter what happens here. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you should just do whatever you want and murder people and do whatever. No, I'm just saying the hope lies in that, hey, if this life went bad, I have hope that there's going to be something better in the afterlife, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's, apart from what they're saying here, I think that's the hope that we have is the aftermath of that instead of putting your hope here on planet Earth. Yeah, that is the hope for a lot of people, I think. Um, the afterlife is an interesting topic. I want to go on to that at some point, either in a different podcast or this one. Yeah. Because like, he was talking about the afterlife, that. and I'm like, the afterlife for a religious person and the afterlife for a non-religious person are vastly different ideas. Because you were talking about hope and stuff. I don't know what's in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say there's no heaven, but at least whenever I imagine the afterlife, it's just pitch dark, nothing. There's just, to, at least to me, there's nothing once you die. That's yeah. just the end. Yeah, that's for a lot of people. Yeah, 
I'm gonna need you to get out of this car. <laughs> so whenever I think about it, I'm like, I feel like that's a sense of despair for a lot of people. Like nothing happens once I'm dead. For me, it's just nothing happens once I'm dead. So why should I care? Yeah, it's not like that. I'm. Go- it's not like I'm gonna be experiencing that nothingness after so, death because it's nothingness. Knowing that if there is nothingness, like for you, does that make you feel more depressed or less depressed? Uh, I I don't think it makes me feel any kind of way. It's just kind of once I die, it's over. That's that. And I think that's the message of this book that I yeah, was trying I was to about to say. Was, he, yeah. he does mention that. I wasn't gonna bring it up till later because some people might find it depressing. But one of the ones I highlighted. Excuse me, real quick. <coughs> Uh, sorry. Um, so, chapter 4, verse 3. But most fortunate of all are those who are not yet born, for they have not seen all that the evil that is done under the sun. And then he also talks about it in um, books, or chapter 6, uh, verse 3, he starts talking about it. But he, And at one point he talks, yet he would have had more peace than in growing up to be an unhappy man. And he's talking about yeah, um, it would have been better for him to be born dead. So, um, to me, what he's ta- what he's talking about in those instances felt kind of like what you're saying, and it's kind of what I've pointed out before too. I've asked like, um, for me, for people that don't know, it's hard for me to be the upbeat, cheerful type of Christian just because the life I've led, the life I've seen other people have, the life I know people have, um. So I've literally asked before, why should I be grateful for having been born? Because if God had never created me, yeah, I never would have experienced joy, but I never would have experienced the suffering either. And so that to me would be kind of like that nothingness you're talking about. It would just be nothingness, like which I don't see as good or bad. Yeah, It's just, it's just the opposite of existence. <clears throat> yeah, I'd rather have, uh, I'd rather have nothingness than have both pain and suffering at the same like, yeah happen in the same time and a lot a lot and of people understand that no i want to bring up something else you guys you guys chill if i bring up something else real quick sure so there and let's bring let's make these two imaginary realms one where people are always happy and one where people are like constantly tortured and in constant despair every year there's a and there's like a huge population of people on both in both these places Every year, there is a very small chance that you get transferred to the other one forever. Mm-hmm. Would you rather be on the, or would you rather start on the torture planet, or like the torture realm, where you are constantly hmm. tortured for a chance to be happy forever, or be happy, or like start on the happy place with a chance to be tortured forever? If the end goal is forever, then I'd rather start at the torture place. Yeah, yeah. That's, pretty... that's what I was saying. I'd like, I'd rather suffer temporarily. <laughs> Then, because then, uh, you just described some, Earth yes, and Heaven, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, at some point, if you're talking about eternity, at some yeah, point you are is, going to switch. Yeah, everybody is immortal. Yeah. yeah. So at some point you're going to switch, and the rest of eternity will be on that other side. Yeah. Now it would suck if you were the very last person to switch, and all of that. But I mean, yeah. But that's kind of the premise. Is is, I mean that that's. Basically, the whole history of the Bible is... You could be on the happy place for one year and then immediately be yeah. eternal torture. Yeah. Or you could be in the torture place for millions of years and then finally get to be in the happy place. Yeah. 
that's an interesting debate. Um, One of the verses that I highlighted is, a good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume, and the day you die is better than the day you were born. Yep. See, now that's another one I've held often because if I live my life correctly, when I die, I'm going to heaven, which heaven is a quote, like quoted as the ultimate happiness. Right. So, yeah, that would 100% make sense to me that the day I die is better than the day I'm born because the day I was born brought me into this world yeah. full of sin. Heaven is without sin. So that's another one that I've always said that, like, the only reason I'm sad at funerals is because other people are sad. For me, I don't see death the same way because you're either going to heaven, which is the ultimate happiness, so I'm happy for you, or you weren't a very good person and you're going the other place and that's your problem. Now, whether or not the other place exists is an entirely different story. I'm starting to have different opinions about that, but yeah, you get my point. Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. Yeah. Which is funny that you mentioned. Bring up sin. I actually did have like a thought about that while reading this for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking about sin. And I'm like, what? Why is why are specific things sins? Like, if murder was the if there was like if if Christianity was had murder being good and having being peaceful as a sin, like that that'd be weird because. You know, murder is bad to us, but to that Christianity, murder is good, and being peaceful is bad. Being peaceful is a sin. So I feel like sins are, like, very, like... Ambiguous? Yeah, it's, it's, a what's, like, relative? Yeah, relative to, like, who created the religion. Yeah, it kind of is. I've talked with other religious people before because you have... Uh, conversations with religious people it's like who's the ultimate like how do you know if something's a good sin and whether or not or not a good sin but whether or not something's a sin and like whether or not you should be following this i'm like because um a lot of people will be like well if it comes from god it's good and i'll be like well what if god told you to murder people would that mean murder is good then and they're like, well, if everything that comes from God is good, then yes, that would be good. But that's a straw man argument because this, the rules are already there. So you can't say, it is. what if the opposite? Well, then it would mm-hmm. be different, you know? But that's where I tell them, well, at that point, then I would no longer believe that that is actually God. And for a long time, I didn't. Like, I didn't believe Christian Christianity as a religion because I was told that that's pretty much how God is. Like, he has these set of morals that a lot of these churches have and they portray them as his morals. And I was like, well, that does not sound like a just God. to me." Yeah. Morals. I think so, that's what sins. That's like to, to me, a non-religious person, basically my equivalent of sins are something that goes against what I believe in and my morals. Yeah. Which that's basically what I think sin sh- should be. It's like, it goes against what you believe in. Yeah. It's Which, not like a strict set of rules. It goes against what you believe in. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you're going by God sets the rules, then yeah. What I've come to describe sin as is anything that deviates you from becoming closer to God or stops you from being closer to God. If if it's driving you away from God, it's a sin. So that it can literally be anything, even good things can become a sin. So, which... um. 
does lead into the next thing I was going to point out, I think, saying that even a good thing can be a sin. Um, and Is it the part where he says, like, doing something good can have bad effects, but doing something bad can have good effects or something like that? Uh, no, that's what he's talking about with other people when he's talking about he's seeing them doing that. And so it's like the op. that's basically the way I took that was it's the opposite of what you would think. Like if good people do good things, they should get rewarded with good things. But he still sees bad things happening to him. And that's kind of where he's going with the whole what's the point then if good yeah, people like, can still have bad things That's the whole happen. point of the nothing matters thing. Yeah. Because good, good things can still have bad consequences. Even though you did something good, something bad can still happen. So what's the point? And that's where this part comes in. Um, chapter 7, verse 15. Yeah, that was like my favorite one. I highlighted most of it, actually. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. The limits of human wisdom. Um, verse 16, he goes, So don't be too good or too wise. Why destroy yourself? On the other hand, don't be too wicked either. Don't be a fool. Why die before your time? Pay attention to these instructions for anyone who fears God will avoid both extremes. Yeah, that's what I highlighted too. Yeah. So that I think is kind of like the whole sin idea is that I'm developing. is just what takes you away from God. Being too good can be a sin. Being too bad can be a sin. It's me and Jay who talk about it all the time. The more I hear about Jesus, the more I think Jesus is just basically a preacher of balance. And in this chapter, it's saying avoid both extremes. Mm -hmm. Like it's literally saying find a balance. So the way I'm taking that when reading this chapter is kind of like, you know what? It doesn't matter what you build up for yourself. When you're gone, it's going to go to somebody else who may waste it. But that doesn't mean lay in the dirt and just roll around all day and kill yourself because you're not going to, it's not going to be worth anything. It's like do the job you've been provided, do what you can. And enjoy whatever you have. Like, that's the whole point. Don't worry about being too good. Don't worry about getting too much money because then you're going to strive all day for this stuff that's not going to go with yeah, you. I didn't like that part. <laughs> Which the, part? The, the, the like, whole a man who has too much. Like, what's the point of money apart from just seeing it slip between the cracks? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't like that. I want money. I, I'm the guy who likes money. Leave me alone. Yep. You definitely do like money. That's I've I've always lived by the motto of money. Money is the only reason we live. Yeah. Everything requires money. There is not a th- we work to live and live to work. Especially today's society, and I had that motto for a long time too. I still believe money buys happiness. Same. And I've had people go, well, what happens when you run out of money? Then you're not happy anymore. And I, I look at them and I go, well, it wasn't that money couldn't my happiness. It's that I ran out of money. Exactly. <laughs> like, give me more money and I'll be able to buy more happiness. Like, <laughs> it works that way. Uh, and I think he even talks about that at some point. Uh, wisdom is it's, it's chapter 7 again. Uh, verse 11. Wisdom is even better when you have money. Both are a benefit as you go through life. Wisdom and money can get you almost anything. Yep. So, see, he's not saying that. But only that... wisdom can save your life. Again, it, but he's using it as an asset. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a, I'm going to accumulate as much as I want and then abuse the system with it. You know, it's, it's exactly using it as an asset to get where you need to go. Yeah. The way I take it from that is that not 
it's not pointless to make money because money talks. Money does things. That's how you like money makes the world go around. It's pointless to make money just to make money. Exactly. Because yes. like you're not gonna do anything with that yes. money if you're just using it to make money. Exactly. Which is exactly what I want to do in life: just get a lot of money <laughs> and not really use it. But if you spend every day, all day, trying to make that money, you ain't living. Yeah, you never did anything but make money. And then who's keeping that money when you die? Yeah. Me, obviously. <laughs> you better put me in that will. If I'm going to be long gone. Right? I'll, I'll, put it, I'll, I'll tell him to dig up your grave and put the money in there. There you go. There you go. I'll take it with me this, to heaven. This verse was interesting to me because usually you see it the other way around. And this is why I mean I think the, uh, the, the person saying these words is a critic. He says, accept the way God does things. This is um, 7... Um, I say 7-11, I, I swear. Yeah, 7 was like my favorite chapter. Seven thirteen. Um, Accept the way God does things, for who can straighten what he has made crooked? Yeah. You notice how subtly negative that is? Mm-hmm. Like usually you hear in the Bible the other way around, how, you know, what God has made straight, what God has made perfect, what he's saying, don't straighten what God has made crooked. So he's almost seeing the flaw and saying, hey, God made it that way, leave it. Yeah. I you know what I mean? When I read that, to me, I think it was he mentioned several other times in the <clears throat> Bible, or not the Bible, this book, where the good and the bad both come from God. Yeah. So yeah, enjoy when you're having good, but don't despair when you have bad because that also comes from God. And so when he was talking about the crooked, that's what I took that to mean. Yeah. Like that one was, and you're right. Like most of the Bible doesn't talk like that. And maybe that's why, I don't know, again, I had always been, throughout my whole life when I heard about Ecclesiastes, it was always, oh, that one's a tough one. Oh, man, that one's going to make you hate life. Oh, man, that one's going to make you question existence. That one's depressing. That one, like, it was hard for me to read. And I'm reading this book, and I'm like, what the heck are all these people talking about? This is amazing. Like, this is reaffirming everything I've ever said. It's um, I think the I think those people who have been telling me it's bad are seeing it more from my point of view because what you were reading uh, is like it's talking about like everything is temporary, but God gave you those things that are still temporary. The good and the bad are both temporary, but God gave it to you. Yeah. I don't believe in God, so all it's saying is the good and the bad are temporary. That's everything is temporary in life. Yeah, and that's... It's kind of depressing. Is it? To me, at least. Um, so, see, I... It's not really depressing, it's more of... I don't think there's a word to describe it. It's just not... I'm a man who like likes constants. constants. Mm-hmm. So, knowing everything is temporary, nothing is constant, sucks. But you know we all die. Yeah. Death, that's a constant. Okay, I see what you're saying. The like, only constant in life is the thing that doesn't, the thing that no longer involves life. Life isn't constant; only death is. Yeah. Which, when death isn't, when I see no heaven, basically what it's saying is the only constant is nothingness. I guess yeah. If you don't believe in a god, and if you were to take this book at face value, that could be kind of depressing. Because you're here for nothingness, and then you go to nothingness. 
Yeah. Like, so that could be kind of depressing. Something isn't constant, but nothing is constant. But doesn't that contradict the fact that you're like, I'd rather not have known anything? Because if you're going back to nothing, isn't that your goal? Why would that depress you? If you if you if you yearn for nothingness and you're leading to nothingness by death, why would that depress you? The nothingness isn't the depressing part. It's the fact that nothingness is the only constant. Whenever something exists, that something will never be constant. As long as there is existence, there cannot be consistency. So but but what I'm saying is by your standards, you should you should hate life, obviously. Or not hate life, but like, Already be, do. but like be depressed during life, but yearn for that nothingness at the end of it, right? That yearning can be dangerous. Yeah, I, very much so. I obviously. guess I don't really yearn for nothingness, but I also don't yearn for something. It's just kind of what will end up. Yeah, it's and not. And so the depressing point is that. So then what? I don't do? want either extreme. Because with nothingness, there is only consistency. With something, there is only inconsistency. I don't want either. Interesting. I don't want nothing, but I want consistency. But I don't want inconsistency, but I want something. And something cannot be consistent. That's interesting. So I want something that the other has. So right now I have something, but I want what nothing has without the nothing. I still want something. I just want what nothing has. This is Schrodinger's life. Peace. <laughs> I yeah. think you're trying to describe peace. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like you want peace and serenity of nothing. And there's only peace you. in Jesus Christ. And want, we brought it back. <laughs> you want nothing. I want nothingness with something. Basically, is like the complicated way to say it. I want yeah. consistency with something, what but you, saying, you can't have consistency with something. <laughs> I think he's just trying to describe, like, peace. Yeah, basically. You get... There's a sense of peace you can get um, that is essentially, for me, a feeling like nothingness. It feels like a lot of what this book describes. It's just like, it's all nothing, so whatever. Like, so you just take what it is and enjoy it for the moment and accept that it is the nothing. Like... That tree out there can be gone tomorrow. I can be gone tomorrow. It's all nothing. But I'm enjoying sitting here right now talking through this with you guys. When you're talking about, like, that tree could be gone or you could be gone, so it's all nothing. Yeah. I'm thinking more of that tree could be gone or you could be gone because you are something. Everything leads – everything is something, but everything leads to nothing. Everything at some point becomes nothingness. That tree, it's something right now. It might not be there tomorrow because it's going to lead to nothing. Yeah. It becomes nothingness in the long run. Yeah. I think that's where where Jehu was starting out when we started with the whole hope thing. Like that's having it's a religion person gives to person if that's it really is. or not. It really yeah. is. Because th this book to me is all about hope. To be honest with you, yeah, it's it's weird that, that I see it that way because not a lot of people will, but they to don't. me it is, yeah, yeah. It's funny that you say that because uh, eight, seven, indeed, how can people avoid what they don't know is going to happen? None mm -hmm. of us can hold back our spirit from departing. None of us has the power to prevent the day of our death. 
there is no escaping that obligation. That a lot of wish a lot of people wish they could. Oh yeah, I welcome it like a friend. lot of people. There's so many people who hate life but fear death. But that one I don't understand. Like, how can you hate life so much and still fear death? I think it's the same thing where I was just explaining of they want the nothingness while still having the something. They still they don't they hate what happens in life. They hate the inconsistency of life. They love the consistency of death. But they don't want to be dead. They like being alive, but they don't like the inconsistency of being alive. Yeah, see, again, that just sounds like trying to reach peace. Yeah. But even then, peace is something. Peace is the temporary, is the inconsistent nothing. Yeah. So the only true peace is when there's not peace. There is just nothing. I don't even know how to process that. I, I don't know. I like. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to like hype myself up, but I like that saying of peace is the inconsistent something or the inconsistent nothing. Yeah. And, so and that's where I put my hope in in heaven, though. Yeah. Because that sounds like what I would think of it as that. Yeah. So heaven would because it's always happy, and it's it's lacking in sin would be the constant nothing right without like it's still death but death to religious people is heaven death to me is nothingness yeah so the constant the constant nothing to you to you guys is heaven the constant nothing to me is just nothing Well, you gotta switch teams, Blake. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like the nothing, if you could apply it to this world, would be literally just getting rid of worry. Yeah. Like I getting mean, rid yeah. of stress, getting rid of anxiety. It would be realizing that all of this is nothing. So focus only on what you can control and what you have. Sometimes it's hard to know what you can control. Yeah. Oh yeah. That part. Oh, that's a daily struggle every day. Um, and maybe that's why, again, he talks in this chapter about, what, what does he say here? Eat your food with joy and drink your wine with a happy heart, for God approves of this. Wear fine clothes with the splash of cologne. And bef before that, it's the living at least know they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, nor are they remembered whatever they did in their lifetime. Loving, hating, envy, all is all long gone that loving hating envy envying that's what i'm saying the anxiety the worry the, are we reading the same book? holy crap yeah we're on the same one i was just about to comment on that. <laughs> it's all that worry that anxiety all of that it's all gonna be gone when you're dead anyways like so don't play a part in it like that to me would be the nothingness there's a lot of people who can get rid of that worry that anxiety and then worry and have anxiety over that worry and anxiety coming back that <laughs> they can find peace they can find Sorry, peace and then be worried about when that they fear when that peace ends which interrupts their peace yes i'm out of here 
That's the problem with um, anxiety and et cetera. Yeah, they come at me like that. (laughs) So one of the things that I didn't like about this book, and you just kind of read it too, which is funny because I highlighted it in red, is uh, whatever they did in their lifetime is all gone. They no longer play a part in anything here on Earth. Yep. I don't necessarily agree with that. I completely agree with that one. I don't because I think the lasting impressions that you leave on some people on some things that you do can affect people here on earth if i won ten thousand ten million dollars and i gave you half of that now your family's well off you're good you can buy other stuff that leaves an impact even when i'm gone it leaves an impact but you are no longer doing anything with that money but i, I didn't say it doesn't say there is it says they have no further reward the debt i have a yeah. quick question yeah I, but it says they no longer play a part in anything here on earth. Yeah, I technically don't. Yeah. But I did play a part in your life. So During whatever life. ripples come out, they still make something. They still make a difference. Wait, Jehu, you've yeah. seen, a, I think it's called Coco, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That one movie about, like, he goes to the land of the dead? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember how people disappear in that movie? By not being remembered? Yeah. Yeah. Even if you give somebody, even if you gave me $5 million, at some point you would disappear. No, I get that. At, which is, I think, what he's saying by, like, what was the line again? You know who Christopher Columbus is? He's going to be forgotten one day. But do you know who he is? I do. What about George Washington? Mm-hmm. What about Jesus? Of course I know but Jesus. But doesn't play a part here on Earth anymore. We're literally reading about them right now. But do they play a part? They're not doing anything. Do you, fucking They're not doing anything. Yeah. But the Christopher they Columbus can't walk yeah. up and punch you right now. No, I'm not saying they don't play a part, but to say that there's no left, in, like no impression left, well, I don't think it, I don't think that's right. This that, doesn't say there's no impression left. That's it's what just, I kind of got from it. Like they no longer play a part in anything here on Earth. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about. It. Well, because think about it. Like you said, they don't play a you part. You can give me five thousand of that ten thousand. You have no control whether I use that five thousand to go help a homeless kid, or I go gamble it all away yeah, at night. I don't care. That, my, that, my thing that's is, his point. it did leave an imprint. You're it's, already gone, so you're you not, don't care. It's like, and you're not doing anything. Okay, so with I that. guess I was seeing it more as symbolic or, or a metaphor of like, hey, you made no impact in life, so why worry? I'm like, no, I think you I don't, can leave Earth with leaving. An yeah, impact. you absolutely can leave an impact, and I don't. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think that's what he's saying here. I think it's... I think it's literal? Yeah, it's literal because the rest of the book is about the fact that when you're gone, you're gone. Yeah, it's not like... You you physically can't play a role anymore once you're dead. Yeah, obviously. The ripples of your actions can play a role, Mm -hmm. but you, you can't do anything. So I didn't know if it was literal or symbolic as in like, hey, your life is meaningless, so don't do anything because you never... I'm like, I don't know about that. I think it's literal because um, I don't know where it is, but he does talk in here about, so do the work God has set before yeah, you. Yeah, that's exactly he, why I was like, this is this seems kind of weird. Seems yeah. Kinda, the odd man out. And so I don't remember where that is. I didn't highlight that one. Um, I mean, even in a non-literal sense, if you view your ripple, like the ripples of your actions, as you still affecting... Once those ripples stop affecting anything, then you still, that's when you die. That's yeah. when the true, that like, if you're act, if you view as symbolic and your act, once you die, your actions become you. And once your actions stop affecting anybody, you're dead. You did nothing anymore. 
I mean, at, at some point, yeah, it all has to end no matter what. Yeah. yeah. But so, it's how far can your ripples go? Yeah. I think that's a, one of the... That may actually be why some people find this chapter de- depressing. I hadn't thought about that. But that's one of the... I think in strength, something that's very intrinsic to the core of being human is everybody's afraid of being forgotten. So one of our ideals is to strive for something that will make people remember us a forever. Legacy. A legacy. Yeah. It's how many people are going to show up at my funeral. Like how many people are going to feel the impact. That's even when you talk to suicidal people, it'll be like, well, if I was gone today, nobody would give a crap. Like, why is that? Like, that's important to us, I think, as human beings. So maybe that's part of, because it's saying, well, once you're gone, you're gone. None of it matters. Right. And that'll be a, like, that's got to hit at the heart of a lot of people who are like, no, I want to be important when I die. I want to be. So one of the chapters says, um, even though everything is meaningless, you should strive to do, I think we were talking about it. Yeah. You should strive to do, what, what did you say? Uh, do your work that God, it's paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact words. It's basically do the job that God has provided for yeah. you to do. Pay attention to like, the instructions for anyone who fears God will avoid. Oh, that's not it. But yeah. It's basically like do your daily job, and when your job is done for the day, go home, eat, drink, be happy. Like he's not saying don't work, don't do anything because you do have to live. God put you here to live. Just don't – again, I think it's about finding a balance. Don't worry about what you're going to leave behind. Don't stress about that. Like, don't worry about how much money you can make. Do what is in front of you to a certain point and then relax. Like, if you spend 24 hours a day working, your life has no point. Right. If you spend 10 out of the 24 hours working and then you spend another four or whatever – having fun, your life has more of a point because you enjoyed it. So it's like where exactly those numbers would be, I think varies for every person. But the point is to, the way I read it, is stop stressing. Do what you're supposed to do and then go and have fun because fun is the ultimate goal of life. And it's interesting because so I think you know, Blake, I used to work with Jehu at this one company, and we had several other people there we would go to lunch on a regular basis with, and I was a very grumpy person. And it was funny because when I was hanging <laughs> <laughs> There it is. <laughs> yeah, okay, got to call me out like that. Hey, I'm, I'm not grumpy when um not in certain places. <laughs> um. <laughs> 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 that's God telling me to chill. Yeah, that's nice. Um, yeah, I was an extremely grumpy person because my life was not good. Um, and so we were all at lunch one day, and they were like talking about that question, "What's the meaning of life?" And like I didn't even look up from my plate or anything; I was just eating. And I just say, "Out the point of life is to be happy." Like, if you're not happy in this life, what the fuck is all the rest of this for? Like, all this suffering, all this bullshit we got to go through. Point of life is to be happy. And they all looked at me shocked, and they were, like, just staring at me. They stopped eating. And I think it was X that was like, I did not expect that answer from you. 
<laughs> and I looked at him and I said, just because my life sucks doesn't mean people shouldn't be happy. I may not achieve happiness right now, but that's still what I think the point What's is. What's the one thing depressed people want the most? Happiness? Yeah. When people feel like they have nothing in life and that there is nothing anymore, there's one of two things they want. To die or happiness. Mm -hmm. Or both. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes they think death will bring happiness. Uh, how long are we doing this? 44 minutes. I think uh, thinking death will bring happiness is more of a the same thing of nothingness. They think nothing that. going on will bring them happiness, yeah. and mm -hmm. death is nothing, so death is happiness. Yeah. yeah. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say that. I was like, I think it's the nothingness part that's better than the pain. Yep. Um. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Yeah. So something. I've been talking with people a lot, and I think this chat this book kind of emphasizes it with um book 10 starting at 8 it says stuff like when you dig a well you might fall in when you demolish an old well you could be bitten by a snake etc etc and it goes all the way down and it just gives a lot of those things and it's basically just him work like it sounds like he's just worrying about a lot of things what's the point of all this because any of these things could happen and so but when I take that in context with the rest of the book, it's to me like it's it's kind of like I was thinking about some stuff the other day and I was really worried something might happen with my bipolar paranoia as part of the issue. So and I I think this is part of the reason I think slightly different than other people when I'm like, yeah, this is an issue. But is it really as bad as an issue as you think it is like it's being a little bit much? And so I was I have to tell myself sometimes. Look, this can happen, but the odds of it happening are almost zero. So stop worrying about it. Like, so it's like this. When you demolish an old well, you could get bitten by a snake. That's 100% true. But one, probably not as common as you would think. And two, you can just look around and be a little bit safe beforehand. To not demolish the well because there might be a snake there seems foolish. Yeah, especially if you need to. <laughs> exactly. So it, it's like I was reading 8 through 20, and it seemed like somebody that was just like, oh, there's no point in doing any of this because like any of it could hurt you or get you in trouble. But when pairing it with the rest of the book, it felt more like, okay, yeah, all of this is true, but don't stop life because of it. Like, do what you were set here to do, and if you do die, you die. Like, that's nobody knows their own destiny. Like, only mm -hmm. God, everything is already set in stone, like he said earlier in the chapter. But go do what you have to do. And then if you survive the day, go home, eat, drink, and be happy. Like, which to me, I, I don't I keep harping on that because, like I said, he said, like, there's seven instances of it in the 12 chapters. Yeah. Like, so essentially over half the chapters mention it. Um, but I have a feeling like some people, some Christians are going to be like, why are you harping on eating, drinking, and being happy so much? <laughs> I mean, we all harp on something or another, right? Right. But I just love the fact because it's like, 
at the end of the day, yeah, all of it returns to nothing. So just have fun while you can. Like, and again, it's it's not ignore everything, but have fun where you can. I don't know about you guys, but that to me just I think it's a it's a feeling of comfort for us because I mean you started off the podcast with a, a lot of people think you're very um, not so cheerful or not so you know you don't have a smile I don't know how to say it but like you don't yeah. you're not very you know I don't know optimistic optimistic I guess. I don't know I don't want to say that but basically you're not yeah. like chirpy and all that stuff and and I'm not exactly one who's like that either. I know I joke a lot, a lot, but uh, deep down, I know I'm very much like, oh, man, this sucks, you know, I don't like this. Well, yeah. I'm very negative. And um, I think it's the, again, if you read Proverbs and then this, it's it's like the the opposite. It's almost like it's needed because it's like oh, Proverbs is so cheerful. And it's like you, you kind of think about people like us and you read Proverbs and you're like, how am I not so cheerful? Why am I not cheerful? Why am I not feeling this? And it's that balance we talk about all the time where it's like, People that are cheerful find this book depressing because it, it shows that everything is meaningless. Where for me, it gives me freedom to be like, oh, okay, I don't have to be cheerful all the time. Yeah. I don't have to put on this mask that I have to be positive. I, I, I could just be happy. I could just feel relaxed. Yeah. And if things go wrong, hey, things are supposed to go wrong. Not everything is going to be 100% just because you pray, just because you do, you know what I mean? And this kind of tells you that. And to people that are, happier than us i guess you could say it it kind of depresses them because of that it kind of ruins their whole little world that they're in yeah those perky everything is good yeah rainbow and sunshine and that makes so much more sense to me all of a sudden and nothing against those people and they're terrible people i'm just kidding what he was what he was saying was basically uh and the way it worked in my mind was people who are happy because of what they've accomplished don't like this this book because it's saying what you've accomplished doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The th- yeah. the, like their source of happiness being their accomplishments, that means nothing. Everything that's making you happy means nothing. Be happy for because you get to eat, drink, and be happy. Not because of what you're doing, but because you can eat, drink, and be happy. That honestly really sounds kind of fucked up. So, yeah, so somebody is, but... who, who's, like, super happy because they just got a promotion and or like they have all these awards on their wall. Somebody like that reading this chapter, the guy would be basically looking them in the eyes and saying, you mean nothing. Everything yeah. you've worked for in your life means nothing. Everything that makes you happy means nothing. Everything you've built your personality That's on interesting, yeah. is nothing. That is true. Most people, even within the Christian world, base their happiness, their worth off of what they've achieved job-wise, off of what they've done with their family or with church or anything like that. And so for this to come in and to say all of that is worthless, yeah, I guess that could make a lot of people depressed. So that's probably why everybody thinks it's depressing is because it's literally saying you're happy because of your achievements. But your achievements mean nothing. But me and Jay, who are sitting here going, ha, we were right all along. Do you know know why that doesn't affect me, though? Because knowing who I am, it's humbling to me. Yeah. It's And and I'm someone who's like, hey, don't let me get a big head. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people like that. Because a lot of people want to be like, hey, I want to feel 
this, I want But I'm just like, no, remind me. I know that we can lean more on the, hey, we're nothing. But some people out there need to be reminded that, hey, you need to settle down. Yeah. Don't be getting a big head just because you did this or that mm-hmm. or this. You know, you're not better than us. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest problem. People like to be praised for their achievements. Yeah. And this yeah. book is doing the complete opposite of praising you for your achievements. It is telling you your achievements mean nothing. And again, when you read the antithesis, is that what it's called? I think of Proverbs, it's it's you're great, seek wisdom, you're going to be amazing. Yeah. Where this book is like, that's cool. Don't think you're better than God just because of that. Yeah. You're nothing. Yeah, so basically, that, yeah. the first book that you mentioned, Proverbs, yeah. that was the name, right? Yeah. Is basically, from what I'm getting from you guys talking about, I've never actually read it, is your achievements mean something. Good on you for achieving something. So those people read that and they're like, yeah, my achievements do mean something. It's a feel-good book, yeah. And then they read this one and he goes, your achievements mean nothing. I'm like, you just told me they mean something. Welcome to the Bible. You just told me my achievements are good and I should be happy because of my achievements. Now you're telling me my achievements mean nothing. But but it's 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 a very for those type of people it's a very important book because again, if all you have, let's be honest, we've known people that if all they have is positive affirmation, they become something bigger than themselves. Mm -hmm. And when you don't have a little (laughs) bit of negative, like hey, let's be real here. You're not great. Let's be a little realist. You're not great at this, but that doesn't mean you're, you know, yeah. you're not up there. Becoming just, a professional leads yeah. to downfall. Which I suffer through as well, you know. So yeah. it's it's a daily reminder of just because you did something, cool. Do the work that God gives you to do. Help mm-hmm. others. Do what you can. Don't get a big head about it. I think another, like, message about this book is, um, at least what I'm getting, I doubt very many people would get it from it, but is... Your achievements mean nothing, but eat, sleep, and be happy, or eat, drink, and be happy is because you need, what if you have no achievements anymore? What if you don't achieve Mm -hmm. something? Exactly. Then you have to be happy because you can eat, drink, and Mm -hmm. be happy. If you only get your happiness from achievements, when you don't achieve anything anymore, you're not happy. Exactly. That's one of the bigger messages. And it's funny that. That's why I said it gives me hope because it's it's even if I have nothing, I'm still important. I'm still, yeah. you know what I mean? To God, I'm still something. I'm still valuable. But a lot of people don't take the positive aspects of this book out. They just see the depressing side of life means nothing. Yeah. It's like there's there's freedom there. I don't understand why people don't see that. The author of this book, uh, talking about the teacher, he, he talks about uh, – I like the ending of this book um, – he says, uh, the teacher says, keep this in mind, the teacher was considered wise at the very end. Yeah. And he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, which is one of the things they're studying and classifying. And the teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths carefully. And then at, the, at chapter 8, or verse 8, he says, um, everything is meaningless. It does really give a different context when you change that word meaningless to, to the hevel. Mm-hmm. Because, he, he again, he's not saying everything is just meaningless it's everything is like fog everything is like smoke you can't don't try to grab onto it you know just let it be yeah you um, can't hold on to these things yeah forever. It's and th- th- that's what you were saying everything is, is meaningless i think using the word you're using is more of with of like smoke and stuff like that is more of you can't hold on to these things these things that basically mean it, like talking about how this thing that brings you happiness is meaningless 
it's more saying it's not meaningless. You can't hold on to it. Yeah. It'll go away. You can't hold yeah. on to this thing that makes you happy. That's that the nothing only, that you were talking about. The only way to stay to like be happy is to not hold on to something. Uh-huh. And another thing I wanted to bring up before we move on, because I'm going to forget, is when you brought up a... Jehu, you brought up... Even when you don't achieve something, to God you're still something. I was like, we get happiness from... Because I don't believe in God. We get happiness from the complete opposites. The reason that that line of thinking makes me happy is because... Even if I don't do anything or I don't accomplish anything, I mean just as little as the person who did accomplish something. In a sense, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. in the end, I'm just as important as somebody who has accomplished something. Because even all, if I don't accomplish anything. All your accomplishments, if you boil them down, they're all man-made. Yep. They're all only to accomplish in the eyes of other men. And who are men but not just us? So what, mm-hmm. why does it matter? Yeah, like, you would know? you really be so happy like would many people really be that happy over their achievements without somebody being there to praise them yep. for their achievements i mean would you be happy being a millionaire if you didn't have somebody else wanting to be knowing you were a millionaire yeah like uh, i would you be happy as a millionaire if nobody else wanted to be yeah yeah um, but what good would be a millionaire if you didn't have people around to like have a, a money system and stuff? You know, it'd be useless. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I see it. I see that part where you said, you know, don't grab onto like the smoke and stuff as that part of because if you don't have your accomplishments, now you start to think you're nothing. And that's a very dangerous place to be because you're not happy. You're not content with just drinking and being merry and just eating, you know? Yep. Instead, you're like, what's my next achievement? What's, I don't know, what's up with my next. Um, I think for me, the reason it feels freeing is because I constantly hate this idea of comparing ourselves to everyone else. Uh, I mean, it's always been an issue. It's always been a thing people do. It's even more prominent now with social media. Like, oh, look, there's this, they've got this picture-perfect life they display on media and whatever. It's like, oh, they have a better job than I do. And it's like this constant trying to strive mm-hmm. for what everybody else has. Or we think they have. And I've always been like, why are we striving for this? You know me, I want to try and half retire at 45. And the first thing everybody always asks, but what about money? Yeah. Well, if I'm not striving for what everybody else has, I don't need the same money right. they have. Like, I don't need it. And so I think it's freeing for me knowing that, okay, maybe this line of thought isn't as crazy as people make it seem. Like, maybe this line of thought of being okay, I did my job. Now I'm done with my job. Let me enjoy what I have. Yeah. Like, I think it's freeing for me because it means, okay, maybe these life goals I have aren't as crazy as people seem to think. Right. You could see it in the hustle culture that we have. How, mm-hmm. how toxic. How many people have come out and said, you know, that hustle culture is getting a little toxic. We're always yeah. working 24-7. We're saying, hey, if you're not creating something that's making money, why create it at all instead of mm-hmm. just for fun? You know, you started to see that become popular, and now it's coming to the point where, like, hey, maybe this wasn't a good idea. And that's kind of what this book reminds me of is is that symbolic hustle yeah. culture where everybody just wants to do something. And I say, how about you just chill? There's a video series I'll have to have you watch it sometime. But it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Mm. And it's absolutely amazing because it talks about just 
slowing down. Stop worrying about the hustle. Stop worrying about just slow down and enjoy the moment, which is very much what I feel like the point of this book is. Like, it, it's it's, it's going to be good. You could have an olive grove and tomorrow a fire can come through and blow it down, like burn it down. That doesn't mean don't take care of your olive grove, but don't spend all day and night in it. Yeah. Like, you can only do so much. Relax. Um, I did want to read one of these. Um, light. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I don't know why the light keeps going on and off. Um, so chapter 9, verse 11. I want to know what you think, Like, How does this make you feel as a non-religious person? And even how it makes Jehu feel, how religious people feel about it. But I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race, and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. And here's the part I highlighted. It is all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. How do you feel about that? that I'm going to go in order. The entire first part before the part you highlighted, mm-hmm. I basically zoned out and went, that sounds like the tortoise in the hair. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. It's like the only thought that was in my mind is, damn, this sounds like the tortoise in the hair right now. He's just pretty talking much. about the tortoise in the hair. That last part it goes a lot into my belief of everything is chaos. Yeah. Everything is just flying around faster than anybody can even imagine. It is moving faster than anything that we've ever conceived before. You just have to be at the right spot when the right thing hits you. Yeah. Like, the thing you want is in these infinite number of things flying around. You just gotta be in the right spot for the thing you want to come in contact with you. So that phrase doesn't bother you at all then, because that's pretty much what you already think. Yeah, that's what I already think. I already think life is random. You just need yeah. to be in the right spot and like have the tool. There's also the, you have to get the tools to be in the right spot. If the mm-hmm. place you want is consistently flying mm-hmm. around on top of a mountain, you need to have mountain climbing gear to get to that spot that you want. Yeah. Even though it still might not hit you. You got the mountain climbing gear. It still might just fly right past you and never end up hitting you. you know, but you got to find that mountain climbing gear and climb up that mountain for just a chance of the thing you want happening. Literally. You are smarter than a lot of adults. I know. Literally where I was going with that, too, because you asked me what the my The previous was. statement I just made was hit tortoise in the hair. <laughs> Children's book. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that that's exactly why I find that very hopeful, because it's not always the person who... Hey, I was born in a wealthy family. I'm mm-hmm. going to get everything. Sure, that usually does happen. But sometimes they spend all their money doing drugs, doing the wrong things, and then they end up broke or whatever. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's hopeful because my goal then becomes let me be, let me up my percentage of, of getting that you know spot, what you were talking about, by being in the right time or the right place in the right time. That might not be exactly where I need to go, but at least it gives me the goal of what's my, where can I put myself where I have a higher percentage of reaching that. Yeah. Instead of just like, well, I wasn't born with this, so I can't get it. It's almost like Squid Games, you know. In a sense, it's like yeah, anybody can that. win. Yeah. You gotta watch that. It's really good. So, so yeah, it, for me, it's hopeful. 
Shows like that are a completely different topic. We can do a whole podcast on that. I, I forget what you said. You said something, and the wording of it. Jehu or me? No, Jehu. Uh, he was saying something. I feel it was something about like being in the right spot to get what you want. Yeah, like I increase your percentage. Yeah, of getting what you want. Mm-hmm. I don't like that wording of getting what you want, because that implies that you are actively grabbing. Mm-hmm. The thing you want is just running into you. With a oh. chance of it hitting you. Like, it is just flying around. You can't grab it. It's moving faster than your eyes can see. I meant putting it's myself in that weird. situation, I guess. Kind of yeah. like your mountain climbing gear. So, I, I forgot to say it, but that reminds me of our con- content podcast. Did we, mm-hmm. didn't we have one where it says content? Mm-hmm. Where I will... Because one of the biggest things I, I forgot to say is, you know, for example, if I want to be CEO of a company, I'm going to put myself in that company, even if it's a, as a gender... To see if I get an opportunity to climb up the ladder. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't mean like, oh, well, I'm never going to be CEO, so why even try? You know what I mean? It's an example. But the other thing is, be content if all you are is the gender. Yeah. Forever. And I think that's yeah. one of the things about the book is, you know, put yourself in that situation. But if you don't get it, be okay with you it. At least you can be mm-hmm. sad. Yeah. If you climb the highest mountain for that thing you want, you've like found like 40 sets of mountain climbing gear because that keeps breaking. Yeah. But eventually you make it to the highest point of the mountain and it zooms right past you and you never get another chance. You can't be sad that you missed it. Yeah. Or At else you enjoy never, the view. Yeah. Or else you're never going to go and find something else to climb up or down exactly. for. You're yeah. never going to find a new location to stand for the thing you want to hit you. And that, you're just going to be stuck waiting for something that will never return. And that, my friend, is hope. Hold on. He, he, uh, one of these in here, right here, chapter seven again. If you climb a mountain. <laughs> oh, don't long for the good old days. That yeah. is not wise. That sounds exactly, you're like, I missed that chance. And then you spend your life going, oh, man, remember those days we could have yeah. done this or that? I'm like, telling you, seven is like my favorite chapter. Yeah, that one was don't long for the good old days. What I was talking about was more don't, is something that I struggle a lot with. Don't long for the things that you've imagined that have already passed. That's mm. when you get older, you'll realize that that's pretty much what the good old days is. <laughs> yeah, like you just I'm, you're imagining the past in the way that you wanted it to happen. You're still yeah. in the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, if these are the good old days, I don't want to find. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to go forward. Yeah, anything ten years ago is the good old days. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but that place starting to feel days. like yesterday was the good old days. When you sit around and you think about the good old days, it's usually like, oh, man, what if we had done this? Or what if we had managed to be able to do that? Or what if things had been different like this? Like, you're thinking well, I, back, like, when you were young, you had that chance to do something. Yeah, basically, not... that thing flying around. And you missed it. So you're thinking about what it would have been like if you hadn't missed it. I'm not as – I think that's why my viewpoint of – the good old days is different is because the way I think about it is different. You're talking about you missed that chance. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it as that chance missed you. You couldn't run into that chance. That yeah. chance has to run into you. Like when I think of good old days, I don't think of, oh, I could have done this back then or, oh, I could have done that back then. I think of, man, I wish I was happy right now. <laughs> I mean, that chance can't miss you unless you're dead. So, I've got a lot of life left. It's like, I, I just think back to when I was a kid, and I'm like, 
Man, I, yeah, even when I was a kid, I wasn't that happy. When I was happier, I was, about to say. I was still a really depressed kid. Uh, but whenever I'm playing games, no, I'm mad then too. Uh, <laughs> Fortnite, Valorant, <laughs> always screaming. Whenever uh, I'm laying, no, I'm Luigi's sad. Mansion. Yeah, Luigi's Mansion. I think though that's what I think of in the good old God. It's why is it so hard to think of something where I'm happy? Um, you're thinking of the days. <laughs> that's an entire pet podcast yeah well i'll hit that some other time <laughs> why is it so hard to remember when you're happy yeah oh it's oh we're at an hour and 10 minutes yeah all right we should probably get to calling it then um, um i just i want to conclude with something and then you can go, go ahead. um verses 8 through 13 of the last chapter are the author talking about the teacher who just said all these things about how life is mm-hmm. and drink and be merry. I thought it was interesting that the author doesn't just want to end the the whole book w- with these depressing quote-unquote thoughts. And so he says, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Yep. So it's kind of like, hey, just make sure, you know, you remember that you will be judged by what you do, so it's not inherently um, uh, meaningless. Mm-hmm. But 12, I thought was kind of a funny pun, because he says, But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless, and much study wears you out. Yep. This is the author saying, hey, don't write too many books, because it's kind of tiring, <laughs> which I thought was funny. I just want, it's a little comment that I was like, oh, this is – even he is now reading his teacher's words and saying – yeah, actually, I write too many books, and it's yeah. kind of tiring, so be careful with that. I thought that was interesting. I forgot to bring up that statement of fear God. I really don't like that statement. Yeah, it's used in... Yeah, the Old Testament. I just, I don't, like, the way the Old Testament portrays God, even as a non-Christian, I don't like the way they portray God. Because mm-hmm. when I think of God, I think of, like, all, like, all caring. He cares about you more than anybody else ever will. Yep. And that's what Old Testament God doesn't really seem like. Like when I think of when it says fear God, my first thought when I read that line was, I don't want to. He may yeah. be all, all powerful. I don't give a shit. No. I don't want to fear him. That's that's how I used to be. Like you can't force me to fear God. If he's gonna smite me down, he's gonna smite me down. That's yep. that. Like, I'm if you're gonna, a jerk, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm not, not going to live in fear of you. Yeah. Just because you're all-powerful, you can't make me live in fear constantly. Yeah. Of, like, it's... doing the wrong things and having you smite me down. If I do the wrong thing and you smite me down, I still did what I wanted to do. Just because mm-hmm. it was wrong to you doesn't mean that I'm not happy I did it. Yep. That's very much how I used to be. Um, it's one of the reasons I hated Christianity. Um, I think it's very much... In Hebrew, it probably has a slightly different meaning. A lot of their words do. It's a lot of respect. It's going to be more um, like deeply respect. It was largely, I think, medieval Christianity, Catholicism, whatever you want to call it, that brought that fear aspect into a main focus and become the central became the central aspect of religion. But in a proper Christian, what I will call a proper Christian society, the fear is not actual fear. We should replace that word more for like Jehu was just saying, respect. Respect God. Respect what he is capable of. He's a, like, as your father, 
Can I be scary? Yes. But I think you would agree that most of the time, I don't try to make you afraid of me. I try to get you to respect me. Like, there's a difference. You know I could beat the crap out of you, but I don't. And I probably never would. But I do use my presence to try and get you to behave respectfully. And I mean, if you I'm can understand, I'm really glad that. you're using the words "try to." <laughs> I'm not perfect. I'd have to correct you if you're saying <laughs> I use my presence to make you act respectfully. Uh, uh, you try to. Yes, I try to, but that's the difference. I think for me and Jehu now we're seeing that it's much more of a I don't fear him. I respect his authority. So it's um and for me it's always been fearing of doing the wrong thing meaning yeah. fearing of for example there are people that will murder someone in broad daylight and oh I don't fear any consequences you know what I mean it's more of that fearing of hey, I should do the right thing you also got to think about I don't want to dive into other topics but you also yeah. got to think about humanity as a child like humanity itself as a child and so in those early days they were very barbaric extremely mm-hmm. barbaric I'm talking about like they would kill children, they would murder people like nothing, like it was just the pastime. Mm-hmm. So God had to be a lot more stricter in the Old Testament. He really had to be more like, almost like spanking a child, in a mm-hmm. sense. And as humanity grew, we obviously got out of all that. Well, in kind some of. places, yeah. But you know what I mean, it's, 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 they were very barbaric. Yeah. And that's so, why a lot of the stuff is, is very hard to read. Yeah. That, that's awesome. So I guess on that, we'll end the podcast um, with the final moral of the story being eat, drink, and be happy. Yeah, pretty much. Don't not work. Don't not do what you're supposed to do. But remember to focus on eat, drinking, being happy, and to respect the life that God gave us. So, yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, I was going to say, I was going to say life sucks, but try to be happy. (laughs) I mean, same goal. There you go. Same goal. (laughs) Same goal. Definitely said. (laughs) All right. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye-bye.